pleasure served us as a species on an evolutionary level. There's a reason why sex feels good and gives us dopamine. And it's because when it feels good, it compels us to do more of it and therefore has increased the odds of our species surviving. If it didn't feel good, we probably wouldn't do it and would eliminate ourselves from the gene pool very quickly. Welcome back to another episode of Talk Nerdy to Me. I'm your host, Alex Nashton, and today we're talking nerdy about the biology and physiology of pleasure. This solo episode will explore why your brain needs pleasure, including the neurotransmitters involved, how pleasure increases neuroplasticity through this magical little molecule called nitric oxide, the physiology of pleasure, and how it impacts your physical, mental, and emotional health. This solo episode will conclude the four-week stint we've had over here on Talk Nerdy to Me, focusing on love, relationships, sex, and polarity. The last three episodes explored redefining modern masculinity with Ryan Miller, feminine embodiment with Kelly Bodie, and how to rekindle intimacy, get the spark back, and have a super sexy Valentine's Day with mindful sexuality experts Megan Lambert and James Mattingly. These last three episodes have been less science-focused and more centered around the work you can do to tangibly change your experience of relationships. If you've been listening over here with me for a while, you already know that I'm a firm believer that science is inspirational and motivational, and it's also often not enough to catalyze cognitive and behavioral change. For that, we need real-world tools and practices which is part of the reason why I brought on these specific experts over the last three episodes, because they are truly masters of how to enact change. That being said, I know many of you have been tuning into this podcast because you love the science, and I really want to know how you liked these last three episodes. Do you want more episodes with experts that can talk you through the real-world action steps of changing your life and health and relationships, or do you want to get even nerdier over here? Send me a DM on Instagram at Alex underscore Nashton and let me know. I would truly love to hear from you. Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to share really quickly that if you are a woman who is craving community, connection, and sisterhood, I am leading a women's retreat in Puglia, Italy from June 1st until the 8th, 2024. And I'm not leading this retreat alone. I'm actually going to be leading it with a former guest of this podcast, Chrissy Constable. If you haven't listened to my episode with Chrissy on the microbiome and gut-brain access, it's pretty mind-blowing. And in this week-long retreat together, Chrissy and I will be teaching yoga, meditation, breathwork, nidra. I'll be doing some coaching and lead a neuroscience-based manifestation workshop. Chrissy will lead some deeper dives into traditional Chinese medicine, microbiome health, and body reading. And if all of that hasn't been enough to convince you, Let me remind you again that this retreat is going to be taking place in Italy. So we're talking pizza, we're talking pasta, we're talking all of the delicious Italian carbohydrates. To learn more and save your spot, head over to loveyogaspace.com slash Puglia. At the time of recording this episode, there are only three rooms left. So to save yours, head over to loveyogaspace.com slash Puglia or click the link in the show notes. Now let's dive in and start talking nerdy. When you hear the word pleasure, I'm super curious what comes up for you immediately. 
First thought, best thought, what pops up? Does your brain immediately go to sex and sexuality, orgasms? Do you jump to a memory of laying on the beach reading a book or hours spent hiking in the woods or out in nature? Do you jump to judgment? Is your reaction immediately, I don't have time for that, or perhaps have a negative connotation associating pleasure with indulgence? Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of pleasure and why your brain actually really needs it in order to change. To do that, we're going to be breaking down in this episode one of the most important molecules associated with pleasure. But before we dive into that, when we zoom out and look at pleasure as a concept, it really has three distinct stages within our brains and nervous systems. Wanting, liking, and learning. The wanting phase of pleasure includes anticipation and desire. Let's use, for example, this idea of a chocolate chip cookie. Let's say that you know there's a chocolate chip cookie out there and you are intentionally seeking it out. Your target is located. That is the wanting stage of pleasure. Once you find the cookie and you begin eating it, you get a lot of information coming in through your senses. Your brain is processing the way the cookie tastes and the way the cookie smells, the way it feels, the feeling of it on your tongue, the sound that it makes as you're chewing it. And if you are enjoying that cookie, the second stage of pleasure, liking, takes place. From there, you can move on to the third stage of pleasure, which is learning. And that is really the stage where neuroplasticity is taking place. Your brain is making associations between that chocolate chip cookie and desire. But say, for example, that cookie was really stale and you did not enjoy it. Or say, for example, it gave you food poisoning. Your brain would update the connection between chocolate chip cookies and desire in such a way that you don't want it as much anymore. Where these three stages of pleasure get a little problematic is in experiences of addiction. Addiction can occur when someone gets stuck in a cycle of perpetual wanting and can't ever really get to the point of liking or enjoying the experience enough that they eventually learn from it. I'll give you an example from my personal life. When I was a teenager, my very first job was at the local Subway fast food restaurant. The girl was a sandwich artist. Mind you, when I was in high school, this is where all the popular girls worked, so it was shocking to me that little nerdy Alex was hired there to make sandwiches among the Oneida High School popular crowd. And I don't know if any of you remember the Subway menu of 2009-2010, but they really crushed it with the raspberry cheesecake cookie recipe. So every time I would go in for a shift, I would eat a raspberry cheesecake cookie with my best friend Kylie, who also worked there, And then as time went on, I would go in and I would eat two cookies during my shift. And then I would eat three cookies during my shift. And eventually it got to the point where I would eat seven raspberry cheesecake cookies in a single three-hour long shift at Subway. I also feel like this is where I should give a very public apology to the owner of that Subway because I definitely did not pay for any of them. So seven raspberry cheesecake cookies over the course of a three-hour-long shift at Subway. That's the problem with a lot of fast food, sugar, and other addictive substances. We never get over the hump of truly satisfying our wanting 
and as a result, just perpetually crave more. We never get satisfied to the point where we're actually in the liking stage of pleasure and can definitely not move into the learning. So instead, we're just wanting and wanting and wanting, never feeling satisfied, even after seven raspberry cheesecake cookies. When we talk about these stages of wanting, liking, and learning, the dopamine system is the region of your brain primarily affected. Dopamine is the neurotransmitter responsible for creating the motivation of wanting and the seeking out of something that would satisfy that wanting. It's also responsible for the gold star of liking that thing that you've sought out, and it also plays a little bit of a role in learning. The parts of your brain that are associated with creating pleasure are the orbitofrontal cortex and the nucleus accumbens. We've talked about the nucleus accumbens before. It's this region of your brain that plays a pretty big role in your nervous system's reward circuitry and the place that gives you a hit of dopamine when something feels pleasurable. It's worth noting here that pleasure served us as a species on an evolutionary level. There's a reason why sex feels good and gives us dopamine, and it's because when it feels good, it compels us to do more of it and therefore has increased the odds of our species surviving. If it didn't feel good, we probably wouldn't do it and would eliminate ourselves from the gene pool very quickly. It's the same thing with food. There's a reason why it feels really good to eat, and that's because it's necessary to survive. So from an evolutionary biology perspective, Pleasure is something that has behooved us as a species because it compels us to do the things that would enable us to survive and self-regulate more and more and more. That first region of the brain that I mentioned is involved in pleasure is the orbitofrontal cortex, which is also a region of your brain that is highly active in individuals who have OCD. The orbitofrontal cortex is a region of your brain that plays a pretty big role in processing sensory information. It also plays a really big role in learning, prediction, and decision-making for emotional and reward-related behaviors. So there's a pretty strong connection between the nucleus accumbens, this region of your brain that's responsible for giving you a hit of dopamine, and the orbitofrontal cortex leading you to predict and make decisions that drive you to seek out activities and substances that will drive up more dopamine in the first place. It's also worth noting that the orbitofrontal cortex plays a pretty big role in OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. So high levels of activity in the orbitofrontal cortex are associated with mental looping and obsession and inability to stop thinking about certain things. So it plays a pretty big role in craving and impulsive behavior, which as we know is a risk that is run when it comes to the things that give us pleasure. When it comes to the physiology of pleasure, there is this phenomenal little neurotransmitter called nitric oxide that's released. You can increase your levels of nitric oxide in your nervous system through Things like intentionally generating positive thoughts, eating really pleasurable food, safe, loving touch, listening to music, having a really good laugh, and also, yes, through sexual pleasure and orgasm, 
According to Dr. Christiane Northrup, nitric oxide is a gaseous neurotransmitter that's released by the endothelial lining of blood vessels during joy, pleasure, and ecstasy. It plays a really important role in regulating levels of other neurotransmitters such as dopamine, serotonin, and beta-endorphins. In other words, it plays a really big role in regulating a lot of the things that you need in order to be happy and have thriving mental health. Given that this is a neuroscience-based podcast, it's worth noting that nitric oxide can make a pretty big impact on your brain's level of neuroplasticity through facilitating electrical signaling within individual neurons in your brain, also known as action potentials, and facilitating connection between neurons via dendritic spine growth. We've talked about this before in prior episodes, but there are really two ways that information travels throughout your neural pathways. One is electrically, the second is chemically. Within each individual neuron, within your neural pathways, information is moving from one side of one neuron to the other side of that same neuron electrically via what is known as an action potential. Nitric oxide plays a role in expediting this process of information moving electrically along the length of one individual neuron. When information is moving between neurons in your neural pathways from one neuron to the next, it does that chemically through releasing neurotransmitters into small spaces between the two neurons called synapses. The neurotransmitters floating around in the synaptic space are eventually taken into the next neuron in line through these tree root-like branches on the receiving neuron called dendrites or dendritic spines. And as I mentioned before, nitric oxide has been found to increase dendritic spine growth. It's kind of like growing the roots of a tree bigger so that it can take in more nutrients from the soil. Where this is really important in the context of neuroplasticity is that more dendritic spine growth equals more affinity between two neurons, the one giving the neurotransmitter and the one receiving it. This increased connection is the essence of neuroplasticity. So when you're doing things that evoke more nitric oxide release, like thinking positively, eating pleasurable food, experiencing safe, loving touch, listening to music, having orgasms, you are upping your brain's level of neuroplasticity. And even more specifically, you are upping your level of neuroplasticity relevant to those things. In other words, the neural pathways associated with those specific things are getting stronger. So laughter begets more laughter. Thinking positively begets more positive thoughts. The way that you experience sexual pleasure to orgasm will influence the way that you come in the future. I think it's worth pausing here and noting on something that we've touched on previously in numerous episodes of Talk Nerdy to Me so far with guests. This is something that we've talked about with Megan Lambert and James Mattingly just last week, with Ryan Miller a few weeks ago, and one of the very first episodes that was released of this podcast with Lauren Harkness on sexual and erotic plasticity and that concept that we've been talking about with all of these guests is porn. When you watch porn, you are rapidly rewiring your brain to become turned on and aroused by what you see on the screen. That's not always a problem, except for when what you're seeing on the screen is performative, which it often is, 
and not an accurate reflection of how dynamic and asymmetrical and different the body shapes and sizes of most humans and the human species are, which, let's be real, the majority of porn does not actually reflect that. And the way that the majority of people touch themselves when watching porn is in an effort to come as quickly as possible, which is not really a problem if you're someone who wants to train yourself to come faster. But if you are someone who already struggles with premature ejaculation, that way of watching porn definitely isn't going to help. And regardless of whether the pace of your arousal when watching porn is helpful or not, masturbating and watching is most of the time, not across the board, disconnecting you from the nuances and sensations of your own body. So what I want to reiterate here is that none of this is wrong or bad or shameful, but it can be problematic in the way that it can desensitize your system such that it's harder for the arousal process to take place in real-life interactions with other human beings who are not on a screen and do not have perfect bodies. It's not really a problem unless you are struggling with intimacy in real life. Because when you're watching porn, you are rapidly rewiring your brain's sexual and arousal response to be turned on exclusively by what you are seeing on screen. So nitric oxide plays a role in your brain's ability to rewire and change itself. And that can be a really good thing or a really bad thing, depending on how you're utilizing it. In addition to neuroplasticity, there are some pretty remarkable ways that nitric oxide impacts your physical health as well. It increases what is known as your body's vasodilation. In other words, it helps relax and expand your blood vessels so you can get more oxygen, glucose, and nutrients into your noggin. All of those nutrients are essential resources that your brain requires in order to make synaptic changes and facilitate greater brain health and cognitive health. The additional flow of blood, not just to your brain, but to other parts of your body, combined with the delivery of more nutrients to your cells and tissues, means that your recovery rate from working out, so for example, your ability to recover from muscle soreness or stiffness, increases. You recover faster. It also lowers your blood pressure. It helps with digestion. It helps with memory consolidation. It increases the release of growth hormone and the release of insulin, which can be really helpful in regulating and preventing diabetes. And I know that up until this point, we've been focusing our conversation primarily on sexual pleasure. So two questions that were coming up for me as I was doing research for this episode were, number one, is nitric oxide only released during orgasm? And the answer to that is no. You do not need to have an orgasm in order to release nitric oxide. Everything leading up to orgasm also promotes the release of nitric oxide, even if orgasm never takes place. The same thing goes for oxytocin, which is a hormone commonly known as the love hormone or the cuddle hormone. It's a neurotransmitter that's released during safe physical touch. It is released in really large quantities when you have an orgasm, but you do not need to have an orgasm in order to release it. It's released anytime you are in sexual enjoyment and pleasure. And one of the reasons why oxytocin is so important as it pertains to your nervous system is that it plays a massive role in helping your nervous system transition from a sympathetic state, so that fight or flight stress response, 
into a parasympathetic state or that rest and digest relaxation response. The second question that was coming up for me as I was researching this episode is how the pursuit of pleasure pertains to emotional suppression. Because something that I see a lot in my coaching practice is that many people have a tendency to bypass their own emotional experience for the sake of rewiring themselves to feel better or stronger or happier. I hear so often when I start working with new clients, well, I just want to rewire myself to be more joyful. So that just means that I need to feel joy all the time. And my answer to that is usually, no, not exactly. The pursuit of pleasure doesn't mean that you have to feel good all the time. In fact, emotional suppression inhibits the release of nitric oxide while healthy expression facilitates it. Let me repeat that one more time. Emotional suppression inhibits the release of nitric oxide, likely through the fact that suppressing your emotions drives up your stress response. So in other words, if you are in the game of rapidly rewiring your brain, true emotional expression and emotional regulation are an essential part of it. You cannot be participating in toxic positivity and delude yourself into thinking that you are rewiring your brain. And the good news is healthy emotional expression facilitates the release of nitric oxide, the cathartic release of expressing your anger or your sadness, your disappointment, your frustration, your shame. All of those things can release nitric oxide in the same way that things that directly give you pleasure do. So today's nerdy neurospiel concludes with this delightful piece of news. If you want to change your brain, and really if you want to change your life, giving yourself the space to feel and process your emotions while actively pursuing enjoyment and pleasure can significantly help on a biological and physiological level. If you want to rewire your brain, maybe you should have more orgasms, or at the very least, maybe you should be spending more time actively pursuing pleasure. If you have been listening to this episode and thought to yourself, fuck, I'm one of those people who doesn't even know where to begin. I don't even know how to allow myself to have that. Then I'm going to strongly encourage you to head over to the show notes and click the link to fill out an application for a complimentary 90-minute long coaching call with me. In this 90-minute long call, we can take a better look at the cognitive and behavioral patterns that are preventing you from being able to drop more deeply into pleasure and enjoyment so that you can rewire your nervous system to reflect any future reality you want while being in pleasure along the way. Just a quick note that completing the application does not guarantee that we will get a time on the calendar for a complimentary call. So the more thoughtfully and intentionally and thoroughly you can fill out that application, the more likely it is that we will be able to hop on a call together. I hope this little quickie episode was exactly what you needed today. If you loved it, send me a message on Instagram at Alex underscore Nashton and let me know. If you hated it, if you felt confronted by it, if you felt triggered by it, I also want to know. So send me a message on Instagram. I would truly love to hear from you. Before you go, I would love it if you would take 30 seconds to think about one person you know who would benefit from listening to this episode and share it with them. 
When you share this podcast on social media and tag me at Alex underscore Nashton on Instagram, it really helps get this information into the ears and brains of more listeners like you. Instagram is also the best place to send me your questions about the episode material and make requests for future topics and guests. Last but not least, I want to thank you, dear listener, for tuning in again today and for your continued willingness to talk nerdy to me.